0: Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset. It's Sam Bruce in the chair again with Christy Doran here to review the Rugby Championship test on the Gold Coast uh, on Sunday afternoon, or the two Rugby Championship tests. But the big one we're focusing on and the dramatic finish to the Wallabies and Springboks, of course, uh, with Quade Cooper kicking the match winning penalty after the siren uh, in one of the great fairy tale finishes and, and comebacks uh, in recent memory. Christy, um, I'm having a slice of humble pie this morning and uh, along with a few others out there. um, Obviously stoked he got the job done. um, And I guess perhaps um, not surprised that he was able to to step in and deliver, but in the fashion he did so. The game he played, the poise, uh, the calmness he showed in the big moments, um, you've just got to tip your hat to him.
1: Yes, you do. And and if it wasn't uh, COVID and people locked in, in Sydney, I'm sure they would have been seeing John Howard whip out his tracksuit, his fame as well with his tracksuit. Um, it, was uh, it wasn't just It was necessarily a game for the purists. It wasn't something that Steve Hansen would be too happy about or Michael Checker. There wasn't much running of the ball, was there? But that was a, an old-fashioned dogfight between a Springbok side who played exactly how everyone thought that they would, um, that were beaten really at their at their own game. Um, Quade Cooper, everything that you just said, and I must admit that I didn't think that um, Quade would return as as swiftly as with the precision that he showed in all elements of his game that he did, given that he had been out of game for some time. I, I thought perhaps a, a bench um, spot might have been a better Introduction into his game, but um, he showed over 83 minutes or, or whenever that final kick landed that he's physically in great shape uh, and mentally is probably in even a better shape. That's the thing that really stood out, was just as you said, the poise that he showed. But it was the, the poise and the calmness that had been missing for six six test matches so far. We're around and thinks that Noel Alossia will be a good player to come, but it just seemed like with Quaid pulling the strings that there was a sense of we'll be all right. And he showed that we didn't see a, a wild pass, a, a Hail Mary um, at the end looking, searching for the final try. We, we, we saw a player that tried to build some phases to hopefully get a penalty and, and ultimately that came.
0: Yeah, kicked a perfect eight from eight uh, in a wonderful effort off the tee, uh, including the one about 40 metres out and about 15 in from touch. So certainly no snack. Uh, he'd had one from a similar position there earlier, but to do it um, when the game was on the line was uh, was just brilliant. So fantastic performance from Quay. Let's dig into it a little bit deeper, Christy. Um, I think you mentioned it there, just uh, being prepared to build phases. There was a couple of occasions when the Wallabies – had that kind of deer in the headlights look about them on um, as they did through the the Bledisloe Cup there when, when things broke down and a pass hit the deck. And I noticed a couple of times there, Quade, he was just prepared to just stop and step and put his head down, tuck the ball under his wing and it into the line. There was another point in the second half when he found a nice little short pass to Semu Karevi to put him through the line. Um when in years gone by, it was probably Quaid doing a, a 180, a flick pass inside to a bloke in a worse position, um, which is exactly what the Wallabies didn't need in those situations last night. Um, so him to come, I guess, uh, so far in his, his journey as a, a number 10. And, and you've got to remember that this is a guy who hadn't played a test in over 1,500 days in, in four years um, and even then was just on the fringes of that Wallaby squad, basically Since probably 2011, 2012, really, when you really think about it, when Bernard Foley first came in,
1: selection didn't he in
0: 2010? Yeah, exactly. Um, Was the was the backup to Bernard Foley at the World Cup, but didn't really play any games towards the end of that in 2015. So the guy's been virtually out of international rugby for the best part of a decade to come in and perform like he did. Uh, Would you say it's the best test performance of his
1: international career? He had some, some sparkling touches in 2010, particularly. Um, let's not forget the 2011 victory over the All Blacks, which got people pumped up and Aridiki Samo images played for the next decade. That was off the back of a couple of very good individual um, performances. And, you know, Will Denier was playing yeah, very, yeah. very well. Uh, this was a guy that, um, as you quite rightly pointed out, um, once or twice took a hard run and he managed to find soft shoulders and actually just be able to not cop the full brunt of it. He he, he made a few strong tackles. He defended in the front line, um, but he was faultless at the kicking tee, which has often been his Achilles heel and has set for him at times. um, It's spiralled his lack of confidence. And I said at the start of the game that um, I thought, that Quade Cooper, the kicker, had always generally struggled in the big pressure environments. By banking a couple of easier ones from a couple of straight in front of the post, the decision-making from Michael Hooper was outstanding as captain.
0: Best it's been for a long while, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and that, for a goal kicker, to be able to land a couple of early goals just sets a tone. And I thought we saw that right the way through. Having Samu Karevi on his outside helped infinitely. Um to have a powerful runner who can straighten the line, that can step back against the grain. Um, it was a complete performance. It's why I gave him the 10 out of 10 play rate. Yes, he didn't have to to run the ball. That will, you know, we'll have to see that at some point in time to establish whether or not he can continue as the 10 because you need to have that triple threat as a as a, as a playmaker. But he, he absolutely delivered um, more than anyone could have possibly imagined.
0: Yeah, how does Dave Rennie use him now? I think, you know, originally we know he was just brought in as cover for, for James O'Connor, um, but everyone probably saw the need to give Noah Lollasio a spell after those three tough tests against the All Blacks, particularly that last one in Perth when he, he just struggled and looked like a guy who was feeling the weight of, of test rugby. Um, you know, I was quite keen to see Reese Hodge get a run last week. It didn't happen. Rhys came on and late in that game uh, on Sunday night and that kick in the air I think had everyone pulling their hair out. But how now does Dave look at using Quade? We've got James O'Connor announcing uh, on stand pregame that he's fit for selection this week. Is it an opportunity for Dave to bring O'Connor back via the bench, give Noah another week off, keep Quade uh, there in the 10 jersey, then perhaps look to bring Noah back against uh, the Pumas and, and just, I guess, rotate them through the rest of this rugby championship? Or is it um, more important that he looks to get more games into Noah um, or potentially he says, Quaid, this is yours until you lose it.
1: Yeah, great questions. Um, I, I think Quaid should keep the 10 jersey. Um, I'd been told by James Connor himself that he was fit leading up to that that Springboks match. Um, clearly uh, selectors, um, the S and C staff thought that he needed another week. Um, and that's probably more than anything to get patterns right, to get into the structures fine, to work on combinations again. Um, uh, I don't know how you could possibly move away from Quade Cooper. I don't think that rushing back Noel or CEO via the bench is the right move too. What I th- what I thought was, was interesting um, was on Friday, Dave Rennie spoke and, and said that... Noel all CEO needs to sit in the stands and watch a bit of rugby, uh, and he made reference to that two or three times. Um, he would have learned so much, I think, just from watching that, seeing how Quade Cooper goes about his business, and understate. I thought it was the most understated game of his career, um, and there was glimpses of James O'Connor in how Quade Cooper played, really, um, and you know the two are somewhat similar, but. I think that the Wallabies need to find a way to get James O'Connor back into the team. Um, Whether or not, I don't think it necessarily has to start at the moment, but I think it would add a fair bit to the balance, but it would also continue James's progression as a 10, um, perhaps covering other positions too. Um, But but Quaid seemingly will be with the Wallabies for quite a while, potentially even on, on the spring tour as well. I think that you would bring Noah back against an Argentinian side, perhaps in the first or the second match off the bench. I don't think you need to rush him back against the spring box um, and, and just let him build, uh, go away from a little while. Shane Rugby has the temptation of throwing these guys in and letting them, you know, play until they literally get um, uh, sink. And we've seen that with, with forwards over the time, over the years. Um, and we've seen it with backs too. This, this could be some great... Um, development for, for Noah just to continue to build in the background, go about his business silently and continue to get glimpses. We can't have a scenario where a single-fly half plays 80 minutes. We, we saw it with Bernard Foley at, for, for many, many years. Um, the best sides in the world have the ability to, when they lose a play, not just um, the game go to shit, so to speak. Um, the All Blacks have phenomenal depth, and the Wallabies need to continue to build that. Moving
0: away from Quaid, Christy, a couple of other really good performers from the Wallabies, uh, Sema Karevi at number 12, um, probably outside of Quaid, second best on the field, probably with Michael Hooper as well, Who just continues to turn in excellent performances since his return. From Japan, I don't know whether there's a common theme there. Looking at all each of those guys, that um, you know, a bit of time away, um, maybe the heart grows. Absence of the Wallabies jersey makes the heart grow fonder, or somewhere in there. But um, Semus' ability to get over the game line, get them on the front foot, um, made the break that scored the that set up the Wallabies' only try through Andrew Kellaway off a, a deep Quade Cooper pass, cut through, managed to keep his feet despite being kind of half-tackled, found the wide ball to. To Andrew Kellaway, um, who again just continues to finish well out on that right wing, um, so his his return cannot be you know overlooked either, can it? He's um, he's clearly now you know the the thrust in that back line. Um, Lenny Kitter not seeing a lot of ball, but showed again he's valued the value of his left boot. But just having Kirby there to to in those situations where perhaps it's not the cleanest of balls, he's got that ability just to hit drive those legs and get over and, and just turn those half little uh, moments when the Wallabies look like they could soon be going backwards, get them on the front foot and give them another chance to build from there. He's, uh, his
1: impact's been huge. Oh, Massive. And we all knew it, though, didn't we? We all said in 2019 we lamented when Samu Karebi was leaving because we knew that people complain that Samu doesn't pass the ball enough. But what he does is he attracts defenders in, he can still beat them, and he can offload. Um when the Wallabies, we also have to remember that in 2019, when he finally made the move from 13 to 12, um, the, the, fly, the fly half, the playmaker, was getting swapped and changed every second week, really. There'd been no continuity, no ability to build combinations. There was a, a change at 13, um, and there were changes at fullback too, from first Israel Folau to then Dane Haylett-Petty and Kurtley Bill, which were then interchanged. There's no way you're building combinations and allowing a centre's combination to build by doing that. Lenny Iketau has had a marvellous introduction to Test Rugby. His left foot has proven three times in the last two weeks very effective, including last night from a, uh, a kick restart. Hits um, hard in defence too last night, a couple of really, really nice shots. He's, he's subtle. He's, he's, his games are about subtlety and it was a... a I wonder whether it was Dave Rennie or Scott Wisemantel that first really picked up on Lenny Ikatau last year because of course he was he was brought into the squad, the real bolter in it, by playing not many minutes at all. Didn't play, didn't make his debut last year, but he started the season in 2021 on fire and he is going about his business very well. I don't know how Hunter Paisami gets back inside at the moment because of the left foot of Lenny Ikatau, the... Um, He's, a, he's, a, he's another composed head. He, he doesn't seem like he's, um, he, he gets, uh, he's, he's unflappable, I think. And that is a really good thing, a characteristic for an outside centre to have a real sense of calmness about them, particularly defensively. So great competition for spots there too. You know, how long Samu Karibi stays in this Wallabies team or I'm not sure. I think Will Guinea told me on Friday that, he wasn't expected to go back until, the, I think, the end of October to Japan. Um, potentially, Quaid might have been on similar sort of parameters, but I wouldn't see them having an issue with him staying for the Wallabies for another month.
0: Well, it's clearly a cause under regulation nine too, those test matches in the spring tour. So I guess with the Wallabies, you know, bending their Gitto Law rules, ever so slightly, even further with, with Sean McMahon to be joining the squad. Um, they're well within their rights to do so from a world rugby perspective. So yeah. you've got to expect that um, they'll be going.
1: Yeah. And, and, and back to your point about McMahon, my understanding is that Dave Rennie targeted and has targeted three players, and they are Sean McMahon, uh, Rory Arnold, and Samu Karebi. Two of them are back. And I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that if everyone's fit, that, that Rory Arnold, you might see him come the spring tour, potentially another big lock too. Um, that, that, those three guys have been targeted by Rugby Australia. They can't bring everyone back, but we've already seen the difference that Samu Karevi has done. And you only had to see the outpouring of praise and excitement around Sean McMahon's return from his teammates, guys like Drew Mitchell, um, who didn't spend any time in the forwards, to understand that this guy... Is a, a wrecking ball, um, a man built like steel. Uh, so, and, and as Dave Rennie said on Saturday in, in quotes to Jamie Pandaram, he's my kind of guy. He, he's the sort of figure that has that Liam Messon kind of feel about him that is just strong in all elements of the game. Um, and I think it's important just before we, we, we leave the forwards, um, it was good of you to point out Andrew Kellaway's continued um, uh, impressive taking to Test rugby. It's been simply brilliant. Um, a t- composed head at 25. We've spoken about that previously. But the other guy that I think people need to start to, to talk about, get excited about, is Angus Bell. You know, a 20 year old who starts for maybe the first time in Test rugby. I could be wrong. Um, had an outstanding performance, um, won a couple of penalties, including on the stroke of half time, which was huge. Which was in terms of the momentum of the game, a really significant blow after the yellow card to Matt Phillip. And um, he, he's 20. You know, Taniella Tupo is 24, 24, 25. Angus Bell is 20, and, and he is so solid with carrying the ball around. He's an unflappable kind of figure, um, pretty calm, doesn't get too excited or high or low. You only have to speak to him to understand that. And he's pretty rock solid in the scrum and i'm not sure if they're still dating but his potential father of all is phil kearns who is a winner and and you know think of what you like as phil kearns the commentator but he got the business done on the field absolutely uh and i
0: just every time i see angus bell and lockie swinton together you swear they could have been separated at birth uh, huh. i mean when you when you are searching through pictures as we do as as journalists uh, digitally on getting images and you you come across uh, shots of the both of them, you've really got to do a double take to make sure you've got the right guy. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Fantastic last night. Um, the scrum certainly had some wobbles late on, I thought, and and probably a couple of occasions there. I thought the Wallowies were fortunate not to um, be penalised there uh, towards the finish. But um, as we saw, the, the ball squirts out. Um, Nick White gets over the ball. That second half was, was really a Nick White game, wasn't it? I mean, Tate was injured and, and taken off as a result. But I was thinking to myself late in the first half that, if this is a game that, um, you know, Nick White's going to play and play well in, um, that was it. Uh, so, yeah, a bit of luck going that way, but I think we probably would have seen him early in the second half as a result anyway.
1: Yeah, and, and what it provides, though, is two two nines that can play the game differently, that have different strengths. You, you, you don't really want two guys that are going same, to same. That sort of thing. So... Um, I thought Tate McDermott would pose a, a point of difference, but you've really got to have a, a forward pack that goes forward um, for McDermott to to have his strengths play out onto the rugby field. So, yeah, Nick White is, you know, there's some people that don't like him because he kicks the ball a bit. Um, what he does is play percentages. And, you know, even though the Reese Hodge kick at the end, the way you tear your hair out, um, it's, it was actually a contestable kick and it still created a little bit of chaos. Uh, it probably wasn't the right option, and I was one of the many that was disappointed by him doing that. But it, but he didn't just simply kick the ball long and deep and, and simply hand the ball back. Um, they, they get a breakdown and they, they get a penalty shortly after. So um, Nick White will do that, and and he's such a valuable player and experienced player going forward um, for the Wallabies who would love to have. What about
0: the box then, Christy? Um, I think probably, fair to say, pretty disappointing first up. Um, They didn't use the two weeks quarantine um, as any excuse, both um, Captain C, Khaleesi and Coach Yark's, you know, um, refusing to use that. Um, They played very little rugby. We knew they were going to do that. Um, But I guess on the flip side, still showed um, what they do is very effective when they do it you know, as as well as um, they hope to do so. They got down there three more rolling mall tries. Uh, We're going to come to one of those in a second and just kind of gifted by the Wallabies. Um, But kicking into the corner there, um, they're virtually unstoppable from close range on that drive. Dave Rennie was asked during the the post-match presser whether there is any way you can stop the line-out drive. And he said, well, yes, there is. And we've got to find it, you know, in, in six days' time, clearly. Um, because it is such a threat. Um, it bores people to tears, but it's within the laws of the game. So you just got to cop it, sweet and, and move on. But I thought the Springboks on the whole, pretty average. Um, De Klerk and Pollard, uh, their kicking was off. And, um, you know, when it's such a huge part of their game, that's al- always going to leave them, um, you know, struggling to, to execute their game plan how they want to. Um, their forwards really didn't ever get any ascendancy, I didn't think. Um, you know, to a man, I think the Wallaby Pack probably shaded them. Um, and really, you know, the one time they did go wide through um, off a, a wall of his turnover there and Lequeno Am came back on the switch from Andre Pollard and, and dropped a cold. Now, we know there was no Cheslin Colby. Um, he will make it a, a huge difference if he gets back in. Um, but they've got, uh, they've got to find a lot of improvement in a week's time.
1: Yeah, a, a few things on that. And, and I was on a presser on a Zoom, I think it was last uh, Wednesday night when they announced their team and speaking to, to Jacques it was asked of him by another Australian journo, um, might have been Jim Tucker, in fact, who, who asked, you know, you've played the Lions, you've won the World Cup, how do you continue to stay up against an Australian side? And, and, and you know, these players are never going to talk down that, And but it plays a, a role in it. The other thing is, I and I asked, what does the effect have of not having Russi Erasmus here on tour? It's the first time that the director of rugby who took over in 2018, that won an incredible series against England in the mid-year tests, um, who had just appointed Sia Khaleesi as their captain. Um, He he threatened to resign if they didn't beat the All Blacks in New Zealand. Um, He then wins the rugby championship in 2019. There was controversy around Owen Farrell's hit on on Andre Esterhausen at the end of 2018. they go on to win the Rugby Championship and then the World Cup and we see some of the things that Rassi had said um, to inspire the nation. Uh, we saw the theatrics of his video cameos uh, in, in just the last couple of months. Um, he, just, he has an ability to influence a performance through through word. And some players and some coaches... Can do that. Some people it works on better than others. But I think that that was a telling, telling blow for them not having him here because, yes, he can communicate, as I was told, via Zoom. But good luck bringing the the same emotion via Zoom when you're on the other side of the world that you don't know how they're sleeping. And, yes, he wasn't present for a, a test or so against Argentina or similarly against Georgia. But, you know, you're playing Argentina and Georgia. And you're not playing a side against the what like the Wallabies who you've – historically struggled against on Australian soil. And we saw that the Wallabies didn't fear the Springboks like they have uh, and had that same mental scarring similarly to, to, to the All Blacks. Yeah, the,
0: the you know recent record um, and even Quade's record against the Springboks in total is about 9 out of 14. Um, so, yeah, those who I always thought the, the $4.20 price, I think it's finished at to kick off there for the Wallabies was, was probably uh, massive overs. Um, so good luck to anyone who uh, who got on them uh, at that price. Uh, do you think they can turn things around in in six days' time? The Springboks. Is there, I guess, who's got the who's got scope for more improvement here? Um, is it the Wallabies, knowing that in the end they they only got out of jail um, virtually by quite well, absolutely because of Quaid's post-siren kick. Um, have they got enough scope in their game to go up another level? That surely this spring box outfit with, um, you know, a, a full week or six days in the fresh air. Um, and they'll, they'll be hurting because that was, um, you know, apart from the rolling wall, it was a pretty insipid performance from yeah, them, It was. To say. Um, can you know, who, who's got more left and not more left in the tank, but I guess um, just the, the greater scope to, to raise their game to another level. Or do we expect a, a similarly tight showing, sorry, similarly tight
1: contest at, at Suncorp? I think we do expect a similar type contest. We, we, you know, it was 2017 where the Wallabies and the Springboks drew twice in the same year, um, both in Perth and over in South Africa. Um, these sides are often they're very very close contests. Um, the pictures of Tamika Tupo slumped into the ground like he was praying to God. <laughs> um, When he was in Brisbane, I think it was in 2018, um, still certainly popping up on getting images. But we we know that these two nations have very close battles. I think that the Wallabies forward pack, good luck to them to go again. We know that the depth that the Springboks have um, and how many forwards, they're certainly in a, a stronger position to be able to build on that performance, I think. But, you know, the Wallabies didn't play a hell of a lot of ball. Um, they had shots at goal and the confidence that they will have got uh, out of winning, I, I think will see them also go to another level. Um, maybe the injection of Tamiella Tupo to start a match will be, will be significant. Um, perhaps, um, you know, you might see Darcy Swain. Um, will come back at some point. We, we Dave Rennie said that he had a foot injury, but he, he might be good for, you know, in a week's time. So, um uh, we still quite, you know, Lockie Swinton's building all the time. Um, Rob Valentini, I thought, had a, had a good game. Yeah. Showed a bit more punch on, on, on both sides of the ball. And maybe Nick White potentially starts as well and Jake Gordon. So I think there'll be slight tinkering, but it will allow for uh, another week of combinations to build between Quade, Lenny Iketao and Samuel Karevi too. So I think both sides will will improve um, certainly going forward. Yeah, the games uh, in round
0: four are uh, swapped around. Uh, Wallabies and Box on first at five, followed by the All the Blacks and Los Pumas uh, after that. Um, before we leave the Gold Coast, Christy, uh, Falafo um had, you know, a pretty fair game. Um, a couple of lineouts had, had gone awry, but on the whole, you know, it was a pretty steady set piece. Um, but just the, you know, I guess, unforgivable, unbelievable um, unfathomable, whatever you want to call it, cannonball-style tackles at the legs um, of the Springboks ball carriers there in the second half. He got away with two, and then finally got pinged. Uh, I mean, you got to just ask yourself, what on earth was he thinking? Particularly in that area of the grounds, when you know the the, the Springboks have already scored, you know, tries from the rolling ball, and are a bloody good chance of doing so again from that five-meter lineout drive.
1: Um, you just got to wonder what's going through his head there. Yeah, and he almost seemed a bit surprised that he got mm. shown a yellow card too. I wonder whether or not it's been picked up by coaches or if he's just been allowed to get away with it um, because it's not the first time that he's done it. He's done it before. I think who used to do it a little bit too. Yes, they're shorter, Um, lower to the ground you know a bit about that Sammy Bruce but (laughs) but, probably don't hit with the same uh, ferocity as those two gentlemen I wouldn't think so but you had had perhaps a better pass on you as as a former halfback but we digress It it was silly and I would be you know Dave Rennie, like that'll be pointed out. Um, whether or not you have the ability just to flick the switch, because this is something that's become a bit more ingrained in his tackle technique. He might have to, this might take a little while before you go, geez, that's out of his game. Because he was probably lucky that it was only uh, only yellow, um, given he'd done it previously. But also he, he kind of fell to the ground even well before contact, which just perhaps took away a bit of the ferocity um, and the potential um, injury that it it could have inflicted. So, yeah, it it just continues, though, an argument and a a debate and a frustration around where the heck are the hookers and when are they going to stand up? Because there are elements of Faleo Fyinger's games, which, which is very, very positive. But to get the full... Um, you know, you're always going to lose one or two lineouts against the box. The All Blacks do too. Uh, the Lions did as well. But, but um, you, you just like to see the, the silly or um, discipline aspects of of his game and previously Tolu's just cut it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Really waiting for one of these hookers to to emerge from the pack, if you like, and say that yeah. number two jersey is mine. And it just simply hasn't happened. And and who knows? Uh, Filleti got to was pretty solid off the bench and I think about a 15 minute cameo. Um, yeah. might might get his chance this week. Uh Christy, before we wrap up, we better touch on the All Blacks and Pumas um, game from from earlier uh, in the day on Sunday. Um, Pumas were, were way off the beat in this one um, and they looked like they could have, you know, a pretty tough tournament ahead after already having suffered two pretty um, handy defeats at the hands of the South Africans um, in the Republic. Um, first half, a, the only ball they did get, they kicked away and then the second half, I think they were so gassed from having defended for, for large portions of that um, first half, uh, 39-0 um, to go with a 38-0 defeat last year after they were, produced that shock win um, in Sydney. Uh, I can't see how they're going to turn it around in a week. Um, and the All Blacks, meanwhile, just roll on. Brady Retallick in his, his first game of, uh, as captain was, um, was phenomenal.
1: Oh, how good was he over the ball? Um, uh, you know, the Julian Montoya was too. But, yeah, it, it's, none, none of this has really surprised me. You know, the box played how we thought the box would play. And Argentina, if you know anything about the Pumas of late and recent years... Haven't shown a hell of a lot in attack either. They've built their game around a strong, impenetrable wall, and for the first half an hour, it was pretty strong. But you've got to—you can't win a game just through goal kicking. Um, And I don't know—they've got some very strong on-ballers that disrupt um, breakdowns and and stifle possession, slow it down. But you need more. And, And the surprising thing is, is that. They've got some out, impressive outside backs. Their wingers have got supreme skill. Their He'll fullbacks it, have yeah. over, over the years too. So it'd be nice to just know whether or not they're actually this is the game plan, or if they uh, things just aren't going quite to plan. Um, you know, it was it was interesting. Michael checker is still with them, and he will resume and remain with them. I dare say, right throughout this rugby championship, um, he's a guy that. We know, and for better or for worse, um, they, he didn't like the ball being kicked away too much. So, I wonder whether or not he's just there for more motivational kind of things. Maybe the odd thing as a sounding board for Mario Ledesma. But they had a pretty poor World Cup in 2019, um, and the fact that they're not playing all together still is the Haguara's and ability to play more running rugby. Um, they've been separated, um, playing across Europe. It's probably we're seeing why. Sometimes it's not, not the right thing to just open up the borders and allow everyone to play everywhere.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely right. Let's um, just before I let you go, Christy, uh, we mentioned it briefly earlier with obviously Karevi and Cooper and now Sean McMahon as well. We know there's this ongoing discussion, review, if you like, of the ghetto law, waiting to hear from, from Rugby Australia just where that will. Will land. Um, we know we're still in this COVID environment. Is it going to be? Do you think a, a short-term fix, perhaps through next year, or extended out to the World Cup? What are you What are you hearing? What are you expecting? Um, I guess the the new guidelines, the protocols, where they might land, um, because it's it's just kind of all been thrown um, up for for even more debate in the last few weeks, given what's happened. Um, First, uh, first with Karevi, and, and now with Quaid, and, and I'm sure Sean McMahon. You know, I think we fully expect him to have a similar impact to those two when he does uh, take to the field, either in the Rugby Championship or on the Spring Tour.
1: Yeah, so I, I believe Sean gets out on Tuesday, which would mean that he's only out five days before a, a Puma's te- a, a South African second test. There's no way he's playing that, but it's strong chance of playing against Argentina, and I think that that would allow. Um, Michael Hooper potentially just to have a break too, yep. um, which would be great. It'd be great to maybe be able to build on the leadership there, perhaps, and O'Connor comes into the frame um, or, or James Slipper takes over the captaincy. But oh, I'd love to see James O'Connor get given it, uh, see what he can do out there. Um, but going forward, I think it's somewhat, then they, uh, you know, I spoke to a couple of people this morning. They, they're not going to open it up, they're not going down the South African model. Um, but what I was told is it's like they're trying to repair the engines whilst flying a 747. It was the analogy that I was, I was given later on. And it Takes I, a bit to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're, 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 you know, it is slightly horses for courses. They're, they're, they're not going to be locked into something just yet, but they've seen the benefit of bringing Samu Karev back. I, I think there'll be a few changes for the spring tour, You might see one or two players rested, from my understanding, too, which would allow for some players to build on their strength and conditioning. There's a couple of young guys in there particularly. So watch this space on on that front. Um, They're in discussions with with some of the French-based players, with other players that might be in in the UK at the moment. Um, I think it will allow for a couple of guys to to join the squad and there'll be a bit of excitement about players returning, too.
0: Very good. And of course, um, you know, what uh, we could quite potentially um, return to Australia. Is there a, a Super Agni franchise out there willing to perhaps throw throw him uh, an opportunity? Um, there might be a club over there in the West that might look at it. The,
1: the Western Force are probably the only club that I see that would do that. Um, and maybe they have some money that they could lure him back. I, I wouldn't be bringing him in else, anywhere else. You know, The Waratahs have got a couple of good youngsters. The Rebels have got a good youngster coming through. Uh, clearly the, the Reds have got a, a young liner that will, will learn the tricks of the trade under James O'Connor. Um, the Brumbies have got Noel Lolle, Lolle CEO So yeah, I, the, the force of the only club uh, franchise people get annoyed sometimes when you say club. but They uh, really do. Uh, yeah, I don't know why, but Um, I don't think that they necessarily should be spending an arm and a leg to bring him back. Um, I I think just let him continue to grow and maybe 2023 is when you might see him return, if if, if indeed he does. You know, not everyone wants to spend three, four years overseas. Um, uh, So, yeah, I I don't think you want to be breaking the the bank for, for a lot of these guys because we know that the coffins aren't that deep private equity is going to be the big game changer. And whether or not, and I still once again don't think that they should be spending overs on bringing players back or indeed trying to entice guys over from rugby league. There was a great point whilst we're on the subject here, there was a great point by uh, Lottie Takiri just the other day where he spoke about the World Cup and how it changed his life. And you saw Wendell Saylor, Matt Rogers and Lottie later come over and targeted the 03 World Cup change their careers, all of theirs. Whether or not a home World Cup with a Lions series might entice a couple of rugby league players. If I'm Dave Rennie, if I'm Scott Johnson, if I'm Hamish McLennan, I'm going, who are the three or four rugby league players or two or three rugby league players that could really make a massive slash in the ocean? Where are we potentially short you're speaking to all your development officers and general managers around the country. Do we have a Joseph Suwali type of figure that's coming through the system? If we don't, then you might go, well, mate, 2023 might be too short. We don't want to spend overs then, but you know, a Lions series, a World Cup, that's a lot you can accomplish in two, three years, potentially in Olympics as well, if you're going to target um, to Paris 2024, it will be. Um, Joseph, come come over. You know, that's what I'd be saying without necessarily breaking the bank because we know that rugby league will bring him back later on if money is what his his big concern is. In addition to that, um, French and Japanese rugby will be able to pay him more than, and similar players more than handsomely. Um, and as we saw with Israel Folau, you can win premierships before making a switch. So... That, that, that's what I'd be saying on those sorts of things with the, with the ghetto law, with eligibility and, and, and private equity.
0: Yeah. Angus Crichton, another
1: one there. Um, obviously got the runs on the
0: board for the Roosters and with New South Wales as an origin player, I'm still only signed for one year, um, one year extension. So there's, uh, I think there's been talks had there and I'm sure they'll keep going until he does put pen to paper. Uh, Christy, uh, we've covered a lot of ground there, mate. And I think about 45 minutes, um, Got uh, away from the game last night, which is great, and, and looking forward to, to next week. It's it's always good to, to come together after a win and and look forward. And I, I think um, you know there'll be a few more eyeballs on next week now, given what what Quade's done and um, what the Wallabies are able to do there, and, and arresting that three game skid. Uh, mate, thanks very much for your time. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for a piece on the the uh, the hotly debated uh, World 12s, which was announced last week for you to come. Um, where can we see that, mate?
1: Well, yeah, having spoken to Steve Hansen just uh, an hour ago, um, a little bit on that front, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think it necessarily has World rugby support, nor do I think it has Rugby Australia's support, but it it it, it has the potential of doing what the IPL did with cricket, um, and you know, eventually unions fall in line because player power is pretty big these days. Um, but that... You know, importantly, I think the essence of, of the conversation came out, Steve Hansen thinks it can help the 15s game um, through pace, through, um, through potentially um, seeing the, the Six Nations unions um, just give a little bit because if you don't have the Six Nations support, uh, world rugby doesn't really do anything. Um, so in terms of rule changes around the breakdown and so forth, those sorts of things will be looked at in a 12s tournament, which maybe have flow-on effects into the 15s game. So there is um, arguments probably on both sides for this one. Yeah, we need that kind of, um, I guess, uh,
0: something to just rock the boat ever so slightly now and again to keep people on their toes and, and none more so than, than world rugby. Um, that's it, for uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Fantastic to have your company again. We're loving your feedback uh, on the social, so keep hitting us up there with any thoughts. And uh, we'll be back again after uh, the fourth round of the Rugby Championship at uh, Suncorp Stadium this Saturday.